It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! Oh, man. Excited to be here, and I'm really excited to have our special guest this week, Miss Robin Frederick. Um, I was actually, hello everybody in the chat room, good to see you guys. Um, I was going to do this show by myself, because we're doing a show about how to finish all the songs you start, and I thought, uh, Robin, who would know better on that than Robin? So I decided Robin and I are going to co-mingle our advices, and, uh, We'll take a very different look. You know, she looks at stuff from with the heart and the soul of a songwriter, and I look at, at it as kind of a, a management thing. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm very excited to have Robin here to do this with me. Uh, welcome to the viewers in the chat room. And yes, we are going to give away one of Robin's books today, and I will make it, you know what? Hang on. <laughs> I forgot to bring the books over to my desk. Oh, okay. Well, I can talk while he's not there. Um, I was. I love doing these things with Michael. Uh, it's always so okay. much fun. Okay. Get I my filled. little earbud back in. So whoever wins the book today, um, I will send them either. Oh yeah, it's got a green cover, and I'm doing a green screen shortcuts to hit songwriting, the one that started it all, or shortcuts to songwriting for film and TV with the clear cover. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. We should have done that. Yeah. And my only caveat, and I always feel bad about this, is you've got to be in the United States or Canada to win the book because a couple times I've had to ship one of these babies over to like the UK. Um, it, it was way more expensive than buying the book. And you'd say, well, why don't you just send a gift card, you know, via Amazon and I'll go buy the book. And we did that a couple of times. The people didn't buy the book. They just bought, you know, like a pair of socks with the gift card. <laughs> anyway, and the other thing we're going to do, we're going to draw for a second prize today, something that we've never um, done before, I don't believe, which is the second winner is going to win a half hour of consult time with Robin to go over one of his or her songs. And, you know, Robin, for I've known you now for easily 20-some years. Mm -hmm. um, we've been through a couple of wars together, you know, getting the books out. And Robin was our head screener in Taxi for a couple of years, maybe several years. And I've never asked you, what do you actually do when you do a consult for somebody? Is it just listen to a song and give them feedback? Or how do you start and what's your process if you can give us a little synopsis yeah yeah because i really enjoy doing consultations with people on their songs so it depends on what they brought it to me for i mean sometimes i'm a song doctor the songs just got some problems and they can't it's so hard when it's your own song you know to say to spot what it is that's not working and and so my job is to come in look at the song as a listener would and say well i was really interested in your first verse i got a little bit lost in the chorus maybe we can you know let's take a look at those lines in the chorus and see if we can't keep that song right on track and keep the listener involved and there's times when i'll actually make line suggestions and say here's a suggestion it's yours you know you're paying for mm -hmm. this it's work for hire um this is yours if you want it or use it as a springboard to write something else um in that spot but you've got to do something in that spot in the chorus if you want to keep your listeners with you understanding what you're saying i'm going to bring that up today a few times as well so that's one thing sometimes people will bring me um their catalog for five or six songs and ask me what 
you know, what is this? What are the strongest songs? What market mm. should I aim for? Which ones should I do? I still need to work on. And the third thing that people bring me is they'll bring me a song they're just about to spend money on. They're going to produce it. And if you're going to invest money in that song, you really want to be sure that your melody and your lyric are strong as they can be. And you're not going to turn around, you know, in a year and say, oh, I wish I'd changed that line. Oh, I wish I'd done something with it. Um, and so I always think that, you know, if I can help you get exactly what you want before you're, you spend money or and time on it, then once it's done, you'll feel comfortable about pitching it, which always makes it easier to pitch if you know what you've got is strong. So Absolutely. those kinds of things, yeah. I, I think that's great. And honestly, I've had a little fantasy for many years. Uh, you know me well enough to know that my favorite place to be, other than taxi, of course, and home with my family. <clears throat> um, no, I love my family, but I miss the studio. And someday, I would love to go back into the studio with an artist where I'm just making the record for us, not worrying about A&R people at the label, not worrying about the public or fans or anything. It was kind of like that when I worked with Neil Young, where it was just myself, Neil, and my assistant, Paul. And Neil just made music for himself. If the public liked it, great. If they didn't, that was okay. He had to like it. So. My fantasy is someday to go take 90 days, maybe take 90 days off from taxi or something and go in and work on an album. And I've often thought to myself that before I walk into the studio with the artist, I would sit down with you and go through every track. Mm. Because as a producer, mm -hmm. when you're in the studio, you're dealing with the personalities of the artist. You're dealing with technical issues. You're dealing yeah. with somebody overdose last night or throwing up from drinking too much you know all that other stuff that comes into a record yeah. especially when you're working with signed acts on major labels and they have money to play with and i feel like i've gone back and looked at stuff that i did 35 40 years ago and the lyrics were the the weak link in mm. my production mm. war chest and rather than you know i've learned a lot from you over the years but I'm not you, so yeah, should I you ever can't, do it? You can't see your own songs. It's really hard to see your own stuff, getting any perspective on it. Well, well they're not mine. I'm looking at somebody else's, but I would still rather have you going in and look at, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. Because as a producer, I have to deal with all that other stuff. Yeah. And I always felt like the lyrics got treated like the bastard stepchild by me. And you are so, you see things in lyrics that you're, you have x-ray vision for lyrics and you see stuff so quick i'm amazed every year at the road rally when, when you get a song handed to you that you've never heard before and, and literally pick it apart in a good way i mean you give incredibly valuable feedback and it just comes to you so quickly so you've got a special gift thank you yeah yeah and uh, i would love to have your gift join me in the studio someday so Today we're talking about a problem. Um, <laughs> Heidi Owen Straub says, we'll miss you, Michael. Trust me, Heidi, I ain't going anywhere so fast. Um, but if there's something that is endemic to virtually all musicians and all taxi members is that people don't finish stuff. Um, it's hard to finish um, and you can't, you can't be successful without finishing. 
So I decided to do a show on how to finish all the songs you start. And I'm going to let Robin lead off. And I think what we'll do is just toggle back and forth. She's okay. got a few and I've got a few. So Robin, drop your first one on us and let's uh, start the process. Okay. So I think the the right from the beginning, the very first time you sit down to write a song, there is something extraordinarily important that if you do it, you will finish every song you start. And that is when you sit down, be sure that you have... A title or an idea you're excited about, a material, you know, just something so that when you sit down, you're not going, okay, now I have to write a song, I have to write a song. That That's not going to put you in the right mood. So sit down with, let's say, a title. Okay, let's say that you have a title that you're excited about. Then the thing to do, the very first thing to do is to sit there and work up a song sketch. A sketch like, um, you know, so Michelangelo would sketch out in red chalk his painting that he was going to do so that he knew how things were going to fit together and he wasn't going to use all that expensive paint and suddenly go, wait a minute, I haven't got room for baby Jesus over here. You've got to <laughs> give yourself a sketch to know where everything's going to go and so that you don't get to verse two and say, oh, what am I going to say here? I get that a lot. What am I going to say in verse two? I'm stuck on verse two. I can't finish my song because I don't know what to put in verse two. Or you put something in there that doesn't fit. And then the listener goes, what? Wait, wait huh? And they drop right out of the song. So if you want to finish your song, create this sketch. And the way to do that is you take your title and then you ask the questions the title suggests to you that you want to answer. So let's say that um, you've got a title like, uh, don't break my heart. Okay, why is the singer saying this? You can say, why am I saying this? If it's a song about, you know, that's coming from inside of you or if you're writing a song um, that's not your personal experience, just why is the singer saying that? Yeah. And then how does that make the singer feel? You feel, how do you feel about that? What will happen in this song? And what can the singer do about it? So if you have those four questions and you just, you know, just think about it for a little while, then you sit down and you start your song and you've got your title there. And that title is going to be your beacon uh, as you work through your song. Verse one, let's say it's Don't Break My Heart. Okay, that's your title. Don't Break My Heart. Not a very good title, but it's okay. Why is the singer saying that? Well, you never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. Okay. That's what I'm beginning to suspect that something's wrong here. You know, you criticize everything I do. Right? And so you start thinking about that's going to lead you to your chorus. You're going to break my heart, aren't you? So that first verse should draw the listener in let and start that storyline going. That's that that situation going because we're not going to tell a story. We're just going to have a situation here. I suspect you're going to break my heart. That's verse one. There's your sketch. Chorus, what is the singer feeling? Because choruses are usually where the big feelings go. Verses are for explaining things. Choruses are for the emotion, pure emotion. Okay, so what is the singer feeling? Uh, if you break up with me, if you break my heart, um, the sun will stop shining. My life will be nothing but ashes. I won't be able to go on. There's, your, there's some dummy lines, some placeholders that'll create that sketch, right, for your chorus so that you know what your chorus is gonna be about. Then verse two, can we go back to the way it was? That's something you could answer in the second verse if you wanted to, but there's three or four other questions you could answer. Your choice, but any one of those choices will work. There's no hard and fast, here's what you have to write in verse two. You just wanna answer another question that you haven't answered so far. 
Then you're going to have verse two. When did we lose that spark? Maybe that's verse two. Can we feel the flame once again? Can I save this? You know, can we go back to the way we were? Maybe that's verse two. Or you can expand on verse one and make things more serious, more urgent, right? What would I do? Bridge. Sketch out your bridge. Because after your verse two, you're going to go to your chorus, which you now have. So put your chorus in there, your sketch, and then bridge. What would I do to get what I have to do to get you back? There's your bridge. Okay, and then final chorus. So if you look at that, it just takes one page. It's some placeholder lines, but you know what you're going to write and you've written all the way to the end. Right. So then that song is going to get finished. There's no doubt about that. And it's usually the lyrics that stop you. It's not usually the melody. Melody is the same in the verses. It's the same in the choruses. Then you got a nice little detour in the bridge. But it's not usually a melody that's going to stop you. It's going to be verse two. It's going to be the bridge. It's going to be, I can't finish my chorus. I don't know what I'm writing about. All of those things happen. If you sketch it out, you will finish that song there. Great advice. You just reminded me, I just started watching true crime. Uh, oh, you watching that? <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched seasons one, two, or three, but so many people have recommended. So last I started watching season four, which stars Jodie Foster. She's amazing as always. Um, and she is teaching a young police officer who works with her in the show how to solve a crime by asking the right questions. And she's training him and she's going, ask a question. And he asks a question about the crime. And she goes, ask another question, ask another question. And you just reminded me so much of her in that scene. Ask those questions. If you've got a collaborator, interview your collaborator with and ask the collaborator questions. That works really well. I've done that with collaborators. It works great. Interview your collaborator on the theme of your song. And again, you'll get a sketch as soon as that's done. Great advice. Okay, so my first one I'm a, my first one's getting rolled into my second one because the first one can be just a sentence because you have to start before you can even think about finishing and people just don't start the procrastination you know we've all been afflicted with it but the reason i believe and this is after 32 years of knowing you guys as i look at the chat room um, I, I honestly can't think of anybody has had so much contact with the songwriting artist and producing community over many years as I have. And I'll tell you why people don't finish. Because if you don't finish, it can't be judged. And this comes from, I think I knew that deep down inside, but I never expressed it or never acknowledged it. And it was because I read Stephen Pressfield's book, Do the Work. Um, and he talks about that. And there's another author who I've read quite often, which is a kind of a pop marketing guy named Seth Godin that you may or may not know. And he also talks about shipping. Shipping is the act of finishing something and getting it out the door, whether it's software, whether it's a book, whether it is a script for a movie, which is Pressfield's Bailiwick. Um, he, he's an author and, and remember the movie, oh, I can't, I can never think of it. The golf movie, Will Smith is in it and he plays a caddy for the blonde handsome actor whose name I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Bagger Vance, uh, that uh, Pressfield was writing books and trying to get arrested in any way, shape or form he could, I think 37 years before he got his first 
thing, you know, which was that movie, or the book that generated that movie. And he talks about uh, you've got to finish. If you don't finish, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. And you're, in our case, you know, our community's case, it would be um, having a hard drive full of unfinished works, which some gentleman actually said this in the chat room before the show started today. Just finish. Um, and don't worry about... Oh, that's going to give away some of my other stuff. Just finish because I'm working. If you say I'm working on a great song, the song can't be judged as not being great. But once it's finished, it can be judged as not being so great. So don't look at being judged as a deterrent. Instead, just see it as a thing that's being judged. It's not you. Yes, it's your creation, but it's just a thing. If you went to Color Me Mine, the place where you take paint and paint a coffee cup or a bowl or a giraffe or whatever, and then they stick it in the kill for you and you pick it up a week later, and it comes out and it looks a little ugly or the colors ran or whatever, you're not going to take that to heart. It's your artistic creation but you're not gonna curl up in the fetal position and go, oh my gosh, I'm a loser. Uh, I can't write a song, I can't finish the song, I can't do this piece of art. It's just part of you and it's kind of a momentary ephemeral thing. It's not you for the rest of your life. People aren't gonna walk by you on the street and go, ha ha ha, your song is terrible. So just finish it um, and don't worry about being judged. And if you're really evolved, which is something I strive to do all the time, I'm not so sure I've been all that successful at it, um, getting judged might actually be a great way to learn something about yourself. Um, feedback is amazing, but you've got to have the right, you've got to have open ears and the right mindset for the feedback. So don't look at it as, I've failed, I've hit a brick wall, therefore I'm not gonna finish this because if I don't finish it, nobody will hear it. Think of it as I finish it. It may not be perfect, but it's an opportunity to get feedback and become better. Um, back, you so, know, back when I was, can I uh, just interject yeah. Back when I was head screener and I would you know, hear people's responses to the feedback that they got from yeah. the screeners, I was amazed by how good uh, taxi members are and how good especially the the people who were headed towards success in taxi yeah. how good they were at listening to the feedback and taking it and using it putting it to work and i would always say to the screeners give them something to do tell them what to do get them back in the studio so that you can keep working so the best antidote to what you're talking about to fear is to get back in the studio and keep working that's uh, right. Keep working on that. There is another wonderful book. It's a real slim little volume. It's only about 80 pages, small format, and it's called Art and Fear. It's exactly what you're talking about by David Bales and Ted Orland. You can get that over at Amazon. Excellent book. I keep it by my bed. The yellow highlight. again? Art and Fear. It's exactly what you're talking about. And it's just a conversation between these two guys, David David Bales, B-A-Y-L-E-S, and Ted Orland, O-R-L-A-N-D. They live up in Santa Barbara, not far from me. And they're a couple of creative guys, and they have this conversation. They've been having it for decades, and they decided to put it in a book. And it's just excellent. Every single line of it is it's really useful, really easy and really useful. I will be ordering that as soon as we're done. I love reading books like that, and uh, I try to read for an hour every morning before I come to work. Right. So that will be my project for later this week. 
And I want to close that thought with a quote from Seth Godin from his book, The Practice, colon, Shipping Creative Work. True learning is a voluntary experience that requires tension and discomfort. The persistent feeling of incompetence as we get better at a skill. So yeah, nobody is born a hit songwriter. I think I've met two people who might have been born blessed with a musical gift. Katy Perry being one of them. You could feel it when you were in a room with her when she worked as a screener here. Um, But most people, the vast majority, like 99.9% of us, get better with every attempt. And it is going to be uncomfortable. And you just have to persist because it's not you. Nobody is going, oh my gosh, you're a big fat loser because you couldn't write this song. Um, They might think of you as a loser if you've got a hard drive of unfinished songs. It's like, come on, just finish them. Anyway, so, all right, what's your next one? Okay, I just want to add one more thing, which is if you ever ever thought, felt like you wrote a perfect song, you would never write another one. (laughs) That's right, the fear of trying to beat that. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so um, my next thing, thing, very song, very song specific. You're you're talking about great ideas having to do with creativity in general. Um, This one come back into coming back to specific songwriting. Um, One song, one core idea. Okay, one song, one core idea. People, some people refer to core ideas as themes. I don't know what a theme means. I don't know what a theme is, but a core idea is the central idea of your song. Core idea. Okay, so the core idea, one, you only get one. But unfortunately, what I see that's when (coughs) songs don't get finished, a lot of times, many times, the problem is that there's more than one song in there. There's three or four or even five songs in there. And the trick is to pick them apart. It's one of the things I do with people. So you've heard me say things like, oh, I think you've got two great songs in there or three or four. Because if you have more than one song in there, the listener can't really follow you. They want to go to songs. It's, it's almost like a criticism of your soul when people don't like your song because it is part of your personal experience. But when you lay song craft on top of that, you can make pretty sure that listeners will if they're listening to it, they're going to get it. They'll, and if they get it, they'll like it. They'll be interested in it. So if you're writing from personal experience, let's say, and you just try to stuff your whole life in there, um, then you're going to end up staying on the surface of your life. And that's, that doesn't interest listeners, and it's not going to really interest you very much either. You're going to lose your listeners, and you're not going to be interested in it. So when you're writing something that's based on your life, we tend to put too much information in there. Um, I met you at the park. We took a walk. Next day, we went for coffee, and I found that I was falling in love. And then we went to a movie, and then we went to... So in other words, you're telling too many details, and you never take the listener into your life and take that risk of saying, emotionally, this is what happened to me, and this is what it was like. Um, And I'm just going to talk about that one moment when I fell in love, with that moment that I fell in love with you. And when you do that, you're opening yourself up emotionally to other people getting inside your life. I mean, literally, they want to. They want to be a fly on the wall. They want to be looking in the window at everything that's going on. I mean, they're really voyeurs. And so when you start to do that, you do have to be vulnerable. 
And you have to dig down into that emotional moment, that moment when you fell in love. That's what listeners want to know about. We're social animals. We want to know what other human beings are feeling. We can't turn that off. So if you open up to the listener and you show them what you were feeling, they'll be there with you. 99 times out of 100, they'll go there with you. So that moment that you want to share is, a, is the peak moment. It's the moment at which you realized you were in love or you took the action of just saying to the other person, I love you. It's that moment, a peak moment of realization, making a decision or taking an action. What does that moment feel like? What changed for you in that moment? Why is it important? You wouldn't be writing a song about it if it wasn't important. So it's gotta be an important moment that you're writing about. Um, there's a song, uh, Colby Collet has this wonderful song called um, Brighter Than the Sun. And um, in it, what she and, and Ryan Tedder, it's a co-write, uh, are talking about is the moment of falling in love. And so how do you capture that? She sings, um, this is how it starts. Lightning strikes the heart. It goes off like a gun, brighter than the sun. It's energy, it's, Im it's impact, it's shattering, it's big. And that's that peak moment of falling in love. And she's done a beautiful job of explaining that to you. And of course you go, oh, I wanna feel that. Or I have felt that, right. yeah. Because and, and with very it. simple words, which yeah. is important, you know, people make fun of the phrase right to a fifth grader, but there's a lot to be said for that. Because if you try and use fancy words, you may oh, yeah. lose the impact. And yeah, what she just wrote is like, boom, right there in the chest. It's so yes. clear. It's vivid. It's full of language that has images. I'm going to talk about that later. Um, but it, if you use big words and you force the listener to think, then they don't feel. If you're thinking, you're not feeling. If you're feeling, you're not thinking. And that's what we want. We want listeners to just feel what we're saying and feel what we feel when we wrote it and feel what we want them to feel. That's the huge power of songwriting. And if you put Great. your energy there into getting the listener to feel what you felt when you wrote it, then you're gonna have a powerful song and you're not gonna be afraid to take it out and play it for people. You're gonna be excited to take it out and play it for people. And it's going to carry you right through to the end because you're only writing about one moment, just that one moment. How do you know when you're done writing? You know, uh, how, <laughs> I love that I, I'm, tr I'm trying not to give away other stuff that I've got here, but how do you know when the cake is baked? I mean, in, in real baking, you can stick a toothpick or a thermometer in there and yeah. see if you come out with anything wet, you know. With a song, how do you know if you're trying to make that one point that you've done it well enough that it works versus I think I can do it better, I think I can do it better to the point where you have now worn the edge off the knife by trying to perfect it? Okay, let's do that one then. Um, here's, there's a, number one, you, you can't write a song you don't like because you will never know when it's done. Okay, so if there's things, you know, because you can't, because you have to make every decision based on what feels right to you. And so you can only know that you're still, if you're still cringing when you hear something, if you still feel that it could be better, 
then the trick of that is to be your own listener. It's what I do when I'm listening, when I'm doing consultations. I'm an outside listener, and my job is to react, and that's how I get those instant reactions. And I tell people, oh, no, I dropped out in the chorus right there on that line. And you can, you can increase the impact of that line, and then the rest of it is how do you do that. The rest, and that's uh, skill. That's songcraft. That's doing it a lot. If you do it a lot, and you get that feeling of you, I've chosen the right thing, I've chosen it, this is as good as I can do, I can't beat that line, then you know you've done it. But there's a trick to this, and that is um, what I call the fresh ears test, because if you don't have someone around, who, uh, an experienced listener who can talk to you about it, then you have to be your own listener. And the only way to do that is to record what you got. It can be rough, rough draft, whatever, record it on your phone or whatever, leave go do something else until you forget what you just go wash the dishes walk around the block whatever get some distance come back and listen with fresh ears just as a listener would hear it when you listen with fresh ears to your recording yeah you can't come back and play it because if you're playing it you're playing guitar and you're singing and all these other things are happening you have to record it come back listen to the recording listen to the song and you'll go man that's too complicated even I can't follow that. I got to simplify that. Okay, and back you go to the drawing board. Pick one thing to fix, fix it, record it, walk away. Come back, listen, make a list, fix it, record it, walk away. The fresh ears test is the only way I know to keep testing whether your song is working for listeners or not, is to be your own audience, your own listener. Great advice, and you just reminded me something that I wanted to do at the top of the show, so I'm going to insert it now, which is <clears throat> last week, I forget the actual date, but an artist named Melanie Sofka passed away. Um, oh, I got a brand did. new, yeah, I got a brand new pair of roller skates, Melanie. Oh, and yeah, candle. Uh, candles yeah. in the rain. Yeah. So there I am in 1977. I did two albums with Melanie, one of which came out um and she and i were close we spent hundreds of hours together in the studio and so i was obviously saddened and here's a cute little story about her so she had a song called buckle down and when uh deb and i had our daughters hannah and gabs we still have them but uh, when they were very young and they were in their little car seats in the back of the volvo station wagon classic suburban mom stuff and deb would get in the car and she would put the song Buckle Down that I had done with Melanie 35, 40 or more years before, she would push that, push the play button and the girls would hear, buckle down everybody. And they would, that was their cue to buckle their seatbelts in their little car seats. And uh, I was on the phone with Melanie one day telling her that. And about a week later, a CD showed up at the office from Melanie. She'd gone into her studio at home with her son, Bo, as her engineer. And she re-recorded the song um, and renamed it Buckle Up. And she started the song by saying, Hi, Hannah and Gabriella, this is your dad's friend, Melanie. And I heard you like my song, so here's a version just for you. And, she, and now is Buckle Up. So I will always remember that. And I told my daughters that she'd passed away last week. And they were crushed because that that's a, a thing they will remember until the day they sadly die. It was such a powerful little moment in their little five-year-old lives, you know. And so thanks for that, Mel. Um, yeah, if you ever get a chance to listen, we did a double live album in the studio with an audience of 30 people 
doing bong hits and drinking wine out of those wine leather wineskin things in the studio on the floor with no headphones for the band, no overdubs, no going in and fixing vocals. We did a live album, a double live album every night in the studio with PA wedges on the floor, the band listening to monitors instead of headphones. It was an engineering challenge and uh, Melanie was incredible. I always thought of her up until that point, you know, she was a, a performing artist at Woodstock and I thought of her as a folky, you know, she was like the flower child hippie chick singer. She could rock out with the best of them. There's a song in that album that a couple of times where she belts it. She's like Janis Joplin equivalent in the rock category. Nobody really knew that about her. So mm -hmm. check out the album, um, Melanie Ballroom Streets. Uh, really bad mastered versions of it are on YouTube, but you get, you'll hear the song. So thanks for uh, letting me be part of your life, Mel. It was pretty awesome, gotta say. All right. Uh, so what are you up? What's your next one? Set a deadline. You can't finish if you don't have a deadline. You know, we all know that. Uh, come on, every one of us crammed the night before or the morning of the test because there was a deadline. When you are staring down the barrel of being an epic failure because you didn't finish something, you will finish it for the deadline. So taxi already gives you deadlines. What's better than so? Because if you create your own deadline, you'll keep moving it down, down the field, you know, extending the deadline. Taxi doesn't extend deadlines. So use that to inspire you to finish. And even if you don't think you've created something great, submit it anyway. Change your thinking to, I'm going to use this as a learning experience in finishing something versus worrying about if it's good enough or not. Having a hard drive full of unfinished material you're going to pass away. I'm saying this to everybody in, in the audience, not to you, Robin, but we're all someday going to die. And somebody's going to go in and clean up all of our stuff and they may find all those unfinished songs on a hard drive. What a crime that would be. So change your thinking to, I'm going to use this as a learning experience in finishing something versus worrying about if it's good enough. Because the quality is not the most important thing. It's not the only thing. And by finishing stuff that's not great yet, with every one of those attempts, which may be considered a failure at the time, you will learn from the experience. You will get better. You will get faster. You will write better lyrics. You will become a better, faster, more organized producer. So learning the habit of finishing could be equally as important as learning the craft of writing great songs. And once that becomes your habit, your music will get better and better with each one that you finish. Great. It's, that's great, because it leads right into what I want to say, which is, if you left that song unfinished because you thought, it's not very good, it's really kind of blah, I hate that, I wouldn't play that for anybody, <laughs> and you leave it like that, it never gets any better. Right. right? <laughs> it doesn't do that in your closet. Um, if you pull it out and you apply one songwriting skill to that song, I promise you it will be better by the time you finish working on it. So let's say one, give yourself one hour to apply one songwriting skill That's to that great. blah song. Okay, so let's pick a songwriting skill to apply. Let's say, because when we finish this today, you can go to your closet, pull out an unfinished song and apply this songwriting skill to it. 
I was just talking about how important it is to get the listener to feel what you feel. Well, it's fine to say that, but how do you do that? That's actually a song crafting skill. It actually is a thing you can do and practice and apply to blah songs. Okay. And the way you do that with lyrics, for example, you can also do it with music, but I'll do it with lyrics right now, is by taking the emotion that you want to express and make them feel and um, comparing that emotion to something. Okay. You don't, you can't say I'm happy. I'm feeling happy today. Oh, I'm so happy. Happy, happy, happy. I'm happy, Michael. I mean, you'll, you'll just get annoyed if I keep doing that. Right? I'm already annoyed. annoyed yeah. <laughs> okay. So when I want you to feel happy and I'm not making you feel happy, I'm annoying you. Um, if I want you to feel uh, the pain of a broken heart, um, then I can't just say I'm feeling lousy. I, 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 my heart is broken. I'm miserable. I'm going to cry. Um, it won't work. It's just people just get annoyed at that. So you have to take that emotion and express it by comparing it to something else. Um, so let's say with the brighter than the sun, that's what Colby Collet and Ryan Tedder were doing with that feeling of falling in love. It's like lightning striking the heart it light it sounds like it feels like the gun going off it's brighter than the sun and it goes on with we could be this we could be like stars falling from the sky shining how we want brighter than the sun this is a comparison nobody's saying you actually are a you know stars or, right. or there actually is a gun <laughs> going off it's all like that these are comparisons it feels like that um when uh let me see i have a i have a little lyric here from uh, let me see where did that go cold in in a song called cold by um uh chris stapleton mm -hmm. he says um the way you broke my heart it shattered like a rock through a window i just think that's great that's the first two lines of the song the way you broke my heart it shattered like a rock through a window and yeah. the whole rest of the song you can almost see the song sketch that he did and you can see how focused this thing is line after line of this is how it felt i can hear it shattering like a rock through a window a rock through a window is a surprise it's a sneak attack it's it's frightening um and it's completely devastating you can feel the glass you can hear the glass shattering um the rock you know kind of whizzing by your head it's a real attack and by using that phrase, it shattered like a rock through a window. You tell people what your broken heart feels like. You broke my heart and it felt like this. So try finding those comparisons. And then and what you can do is you can just keep a notebook of uh, emotions and comparisons for those emotions. What does it feel like to be happy? I feel happy. I feel like I'm walking on sunshine that's been used and it's been very successfully used but can you find other things like that can you say things like i feel like i'm walking on air i feel like a balloon that's been left off of the string i feel like um <laughs> you know uh, uh i can't stop <clears throat> smiling oh a room without a roof that's that great image from happy uh the, the song uh, whose is that I can't see the chat room, but I'm sure five people know what that is. Um, oh, it's going to take them seven seconds before I'll see the answer anyway. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but that's okay. So uh, if you, you know, clap your hands if you feel like a room without a roof. Now, when you For want real. that, thank you, Pharrell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you want that, it won't be there, right? So what you want to do is start, uh, start 
putting together this kind of raw material for when you're writing a song about feeling happy. They're not easy songs to write because they have a tendency to come out feeling shallow and feeling generic and lots of cliches. Boy, when you come up with something like an inspired line, like a room without a roof, you write that down because you're going to need it when you sit down to write the happy song and you can't think of them and you can't finish that song and you put it away because it's sounding so blah and generic. You're going to need that help. Inspiration doesn't come when you want it. It comes when you don't need it. And that's where you should be making sure that you... And we've only got so much of that stored up in our brain. And, and maybe we have a lot more of it in there, but we're not able to recall it at will all the time. You can't at will. Yeah. So nobody's paying me to say this. Master Writer is a great tool that it does many things. I'm not a songwriter, so I haven't used the many things that it does. But many years ago, probably 15 years ago, uh, Barry DeVores on the CEO of the company gave me a copy just to check it out. I use it all the time when I'm writing stuff for the newsletter, for the road rally, and I can't find the right word. And it, it's so much better than a rhyming dictionary, a thesaurus, anything else I've used. <clears throat> Excuse me. So just know that I endorse it just for that one thing I've used it for. It's amazing. You can download a, a free trial version of it. Check it out at masterwriter.com because when you need a word that's not a fancy word, and I say that in quotes, but you need the right word to give more impact. And it may oftentimes be a really simple, impactful word. Your brain is not gonna cough it up, it will. So if you don't wanna break your rhythm and your pace, and your momentum while you're writing the song, don't be afraid to ask for help from a little robot in the form of Master Writer. I'm gonna come back to that in a, in a minute. After you finish your next one, I'm gonna come back to this, uh, your own sort of form of Master Writer. Okay. Um, and why that's so important to have those kinds of lists rather than going to a thesaurus online. I'll, I'll come back to that. You go ahead. Oh, that's funny. All of a sudden, like three or four people in the chat room love Master Writer. I use Master Writer to write today. I've got something caught in my throat. I'm wheezing here. Um, bought Master Writer just a week ago. It's great. Really good for rhymes that aren't overused. That's true. Okay, my next one is so simple. It's only going to take about two minutes, and that is start small. Um, if you know, Even if you're a songwriter that writes like legit songs with lyrics, um, but you are falling behind in the completion category. You just can't seem to finish anything because you always have an excuse, a reason, or some form of resistance that's keeping you from finishing. The fear of once it's done, then, oh my gosh, it's done and people can judge it. Start small. Can you do a one, four, five progression on a guitar? Yes, you can, virtually, or a piano. Anybody can do that. Take that and do an instrumental cue with it. Do 90 seconds of one, four, five, and just put a second instrument on top of it, and then get a good balance between them, add a little reverb if needed, blah, blah, blah. Keep it simple, you know, the the what, the catchphrase, keep it simple, stupid. Um, <clears throat> I can hear this thing going every time I breathe, <laughs> sorry. Um, and normally I pull out a cough drop before I do a show, but I didn't today, so there. Um, Anyway, even if you're a songwriter, start with an instrumental and get in the habit of finishing. Because every time you do finish something, it will reinforce that endorphin release in you that goes, oh, that feels good, I finished something. 
So eventually you'll get so good at finishing those stupid little instrumental cues, and I say that with all the affection I can muster, that then you'll be able to apply that same momentum and that same feeling to doing songs with lyrics. That's a great idea. The habit of finishing. Yeah, yeah, start creating, small. Yeah, create ha- creating new habits is a, a great thing to look at. Um, uh, a, a great way to look at that, creating a new habit. Habits are good because habits help you finish things faster. But if you don't create new habits, then you kind of continually fall back on the old habits. And, and are hard to get those. rid of. Yeah, and sometimes they're useful, but you don't want to be limited to just the habits that you have and, and repeating those over and over. You want to keep adding new habits, things that you don't have to think about that help you get things done like that. If you create a habit of finishing things, you don't have to think about it. It's just the endorphins go, your brain goes, yeah, I want to, I want to finish this. And you don't have to be thinking about, I have to make myself finish it. That's the benefit of habits is that you don't have to think about them. So you can create new habits all the time. And this is a really good suggestion that you just made, which is create new habits that, are, that work for you rather than some have bad habits that work against you. But there are plenty of habits you can create like finishing songs that become a new habit and, and that can really help you. Somebody in a similar discussion many years ago, maybe even like 40, 50 years ago, might've been my dad or my grandfather, uh, they were prone to giving me advice, said, don't try and climb a mountain at first, just cross the damn street. Oh, great. You know, <laughs> yeah. there, there's right. good lyric writing right yeah. to the point, not big fancy words, everybody understands. But yeah, just cross the street, do that over and over. Well, I cross the street every day, maybe I should try doing that hill. Do yes. the hill every day for a month, and eventually you get to the mountain. So there you That's go. That's great. That's great. Great advice. Um, okay, so uh, let me pick up on that master writer idea because okay. my next my next uh, uh, suggestion has to do with what you just explained that master writer can do for you. Um, I don't like uh, online thesauruses, thesauri. Um, because they come up with all kinds of words you really can't use. They're very liter- literal. They're not, um, they're not giving you synonyms that are emotionally similar. They're giving you cinnamon, synonyms that are factually similar. And we're not looking for factual, we're looking for emotional. So Master Writer, and I've, I've used it, and the thing I like about their rhyming section is that they give you rhymes you can actually use. Right. Um, and the types of rhymes that we use in songs. I don't use the word, when I'm, right, I'm looking to rhyme the word gone, I don't generally use the word brawn. It's just not a word you're going to put in a lyric. But, of course, online rhyming dictionaries will give you brawn, and I can't use that. So I keep looking through these lists and lists and lists of words. And that is one of the things that Master Writer does really well. So what I do in, uh, with or without Master Writer's help, I make lists. So my, my suggestion here, another thing that will really help you finish songs and keep your flow going. One of the things that stops you from finishing songs is you lose touch with your song. You lose the flow, the, the, the emotional feel for it. You put it aside and you can't get it back again. Um, so you wanna keep going when you're writing a song. Uh, whether that's you know finished for today, but pick it up tomorrow, right where you left off, you can do that. One of the things that will really help you do that is to not get stuck looking for rhymes or looking for what I was just talking about, which is comparisons for emotions. You, it won't come to you when you're sitting there at your desk going, I need one, I need one, I need one. I have a, you know, I have a <laughs> deadline I gotta right. meet. And I, I just can't think of an inspired line, oh my God. Um, 
So keep lists of those things when they do come to you. Master Writer has these great lists, but you can also make your own lists. And that's a really good idea because those will be very personal to you. So I keep um, a text uh, file on my desktop called Rhymes With. And when I'm listening to music, when I'm listening to songs, especially singer-songwriter songs, if I hear an interesting rhyme that I like, I'll put it, I'll add it to my rhymes with list under whatever that, you know, the, yeah. the vowel sound is. It's, you only have to rhyme the vowels now. Um, and I'll put that in there. And if it's something I think would be recognized, rec too recognizable, I'll, na I'll make a note of what song that it came from. Um, but you'll have, a, it'll just, once you have this list of rhyming words, I find that I go to it all the time when I'm working with clients and we've got a, a, a line we need to rewrite and we want it to rhyme with something they've already got. Um, then I go to my rhymes with list and I look for words that suggest ideas to me that would work. If we can't find one, then we change the rhyming word, the first one in the, in the previous line and we write rewrite that one because we got a nice second line going so having that list of rhyming words that's something that's tailored to what you love what you like what inspires you is is the kind of rhyming words that you're going to want same thing with a list of, of this is like that that's what i call my comparisons list um this is like that love is like and then you just start adding them every time they come to you. And don't think you're going to remember it either because you're not going to. Um, you got to add it to your list because when you need it, then it will be there. You just go to your this is like that list. If you're writing a song about a broken heart and maybe that that, you know, the Chris Stapleton shattered like a rock through a window is too obvious. But you, that could inspire another idea. His whole chorus is why you got to be so cold. You, you know, you cut me like a knife. You put our love on ice. Why you got to be so cold? And you've got rhyming words. Plus, you've got all of this idea of heartbreak is like feeling cold. And all of a sudden, you can start thinking of other things that are cold that you could put freezing, sleet, snow, hurt, um, um, uh, and other things that feel cold. Then cuts like a knife and just, re you know, uh, free associate with those kinds of images that you see in other songs that are related to the um, emotion that you want to write about and put all that on lists and keep it until you need to write a song for a taxi listing that's about heartbreak. Then you can go to your list and say, oh yeah, I loved that. I'm going to use that idea that I had for, as a title. Then you've got your title. You can do your song sketch. You can use, you've got some of the comparisons already written down. Boom, you're halfway through your song and you won't get stuck on it. You can do it with rhymes, you can do it with comparisons, you can make lists of titles and opening lines. Have all your lists ready before you sit down, which is where Michael started and where I started also, which is before you sit down to write, be excited, be into the mood, get yourself some raw material to work with. Don't sit down and say, okay, now I have to do this, I have to do this, because it doesn't, it's not conducive to feeling creative and excited and putting your heart into it. Have all that stuff ready when you sit down and say, oh, that title, I wanted to write that song. I didn't write it yet, I'm going for it. And that'll get you launched into your song and that will carry you through most of the rest of that song. The other kind of playlist that you wanna, the other kind of list you wanna make, and I think the most important list for me are playlists of songs. I have long text files filled with song mm -hmm. titles organized by male singer-songwriter, female singer-songwriter, male indie folk, female indie folk, genres listed by genre and male or female. 
So I can instantly, and let a couple of little notes about what I like about that song. What's the arrangement? What's the production? When you go to produce your song, you should already know what genre it's in. Then you can go to your song list of genres and you can say, oh, there's a production idea I like. Oh, look how they dynamically built that one. I could do that starting with acoustic guitar and then adding electric and bass and then adding, oh, I love the way they added drums in there. I can do that. There's nothing about that you cannot copy in terms of an arrangement, how to build dynamics into your song. So you're not wasting time on reinventing arranging. That's right. a killer. It's a killer. You'll never make your deadlines if Same you Same thing that. is true for templating what you're doing in your workstation, in your DAW. Yeah. Rather, we all know you will lose your momentum if you spend an hour and a half searching for the perfect kick sound, kick drum. So when you find a great kick drum sound for a particular genre, have that in a template so you can always go back to it. You just saved yourself an hour and a half that could be time that's spent on crafting a great song or wow. craft, crafting a great production. But you know what? You have to remember that these lists are there and go back and use them. Here's how dumb I am, Robin. <laughs> when trying to come up with an idea for the show this week, I've got a, a text file. I've got a Word doc that's probably yeah. 10 pages long in a 12-point font, Ideas for Taxi TV. Some, and it's sitting right on my desktop. Somehow I will sit here for two hours fretting over, what am I going to do on Monday? Oh. And yeah. I should just open the damn list. So yeah, re great advice if you remember to use it. I swear, I swear. Every <laughs> month when I do my newsletter, I write about a song, I do a hit song guide or I do a tip. I always do the same thing. What am I going to write about this month? And I, I've got a text file with a whole <laughs> list of stuff I want to write about. Yes. So I keep them on my desktop also. And in the case of rhyming and in the case of, of comparisons, I use them all the time. I, I just, you, you, once they're there, you start using them. You remember to lean on them. They become a part of your writing process. And it, boy, that stuff. Templates, excellent, excellent reminder to have templates, to have a DAW with the template for indie folk one, indie folk two, upbeat yeah. indie folk, downbeat indie folk. Um, absolutely. And, and cut off all of that time because then you can stay in the creative flow instead of searching around for a sample that you want to use. Absolutely. Absolutely. True. All right, here's my next one, which is collaborate. We all know the often used phrase, two heads are better than one. Um, but in this case, the collaboration works as nobody likes to be embarrassed or nobody likes to feel like they let somebody else down. So if you've got a collaborator, especially if you're working together on a submission for a taxi listing and you know the deadline is February 19th, and you want to have it buttoned up and done by February 17th, just so you're a little ahead of the game, having a collaborator is going to force you to carry your weight in that relationship because, number one, you don't want to let that person down. Number two, you don't want to look like adult. Number three is you want that person to work with you again. Um, all the taxi members, literally 100% of the taxi members that I've interviewed about their collaboration strategies, if you will, over the years, have all told me that not every collaboration works out well. And when I ask them, why does one work out and another one doesn't? And they said, well, sometimes, you know, people have really good musical ideas, but I have to call them or text them or email them every day saying, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then they send it to me 12 hours before the deadline, 
and now the onus is on me to miss my kid's birthday party to finish the damn thing so I don't look like a loser because they held up the process. So yeah. collaboration, hold your feet to the fire and you will be so embarrassed if you respect and enjoy working with the other person that you're collaborating with, you're not gonna wanna let them down. Um, unless you don't like your kid, don't wanna go to the birthday party, that's always a possibility. <laughs> Maybe your kid's a teenager. It's like, yeah, here, here you go, here's 20 bucks, go to the movies with your friends. But um, I think that collaboration is not only a tool from the creative aspect, from, but from the business of acting like an adult who is working within a business environment in a creative industry, collaboration will help you get there. Absolutely. And if you look at the songs that are on the charts, or even you look at the songs that are used in film and television, um, I mean, on the charts, it's almost 100% of songs are collaborations. Yeah, There's no like question 12 people. Yeah. Like 12 people, yes. Um, and even singer-songwriters on the charts, Ed Sheeran, I mean, is collaborating. We, we know, and Adele always collaborates. And for those chart-topping songs, they're all collaborations in country, in pop, in rock, in all of them. And th why is that? And I think a lot of it has to do also with um, collaborators can be that outside listener that you need. You know, you write a little bit more carefully. You push yourself a little harder because you're going to play it for somebody. And like you said, you don't want to be adult in front of somebody. So I always recommend when I have clients who are scared to collaborate, I say, prepare. Be prepared when you go in. Know what's, what genre you're going to write in, which you usually will if you're working with a collaborator. You both want to work in dance pop or you both want to work in singer-songwriter or rock or whatever country. And so you know what genre you're going to be in. Walk in with material prepared, just as I suggest that you do when you're writing alone. Have a list of titles, have a list of ideas, have, have a, you know, lists of songs that you both have, have said, yeah, we both like that song. We're, it's, you know, we have similar taste. You want to do that with your collaborators. And we've already decided that and played music for each other. So let's write a song kind of like that one. It's got a similar core idea and it's got similar uh, tempo and that, you know, similarities end there pretty much. But um, here's some titles. Well, let me throw some titles out at you. And that sparks your collaborator who might be as nervous as you are. And the collaborator goes, yeah, I like that one. Let's let's do that one. So if you come in prepared and respectful, and that's what you're talking about in terms of time, is yeah. respecting each other. You're gonna, when you find collaborators, a collaborator who respects you and you respect, and you have this mutual respect there, then you find, uh, then that collaboration really becomes uh, turbocharges your writing. You do tend to finish songs because when you get stuck on something, your collaborator goes, well, why don't we try that? Yep. You know, why don't we stop for a while? Why don't we come back in a couple hours and revisit that? Or you say that. It gives you that, um, that distance, that perspective. One or the other of you will have perspective at that moment. And you can be the listener who says, nah, I know you're married to that line, but I'm not so sure. How about this one? You know, so there's when you if you ever do improv, if you ever take an improv class. No, nope, because I don't have a funny bone in my body. <laughs> um, I took a songwriting improv class and that was scary. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really scary. I did it at the Groundlings and boy, the, and there are people who can do this. Um, you've got a couple of screeners who can do this. Busby Morris is brilliant at improv improvising songs. And so you get, you know, you you can improvise something and and feel like okay let me just throw that out there and the other person's job in, in improvisation your job is to say yes 
yes, but, yes, and, mm -hmm. yes. Okay, yes, I like that. I like what you're doing. Right. How about if we build on that and take it, you know, in this direction? What about if we change that word? What about if we, you don't sit there with your collaborator and say, no, 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 no. no that, op yeah. op open yeah. the road, not put up a, a fence. That's right. Don't, don't put up the roadblocks, open up that road and go down it together and see where it goes and try not to judge. If you have a highly judgmental uh, collaborator, then it's probably not gonna work. So the two of you enjoy, say yes, and just find out where it goes. And it's absolutely one of the best ways to keep things going and get songs done. Um, also, I want to mention that you, if somebody was saying, I'd love to have a collaborator, well, you can find one. That's one of the great things that Taxi provides you with. People in this chat room could be your collaborators. Many of the folks in the chat room have collaborated over the years. Um, collaboration corner on the Taxi Forum, which mm -hmm. is forums yeah. with an S dot taxi dot com slash whatever collaboration corner. Liz, if you'd be so kind to find a link for that and put it in the um, chat for us. Appreciate that. Um, I can't say enough good stuff about collaboration, but it's yeah. kind of like dating. You know, you may go through three collaborations where it's like, wham, 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 wham. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I finally used the sound effect. I feel so grown up. Anyway, um, you know, don't get discouraged after the first one if it doesn't work out. I've got a 61-year-old friend who I'm very close with who unfortunately lost his wife a couple of years ago, and he's just starting to date now. And... I, I feel for him, the process of dating, you know, after having been married for 30 years and getting yourself out there and, and the dates, you know, it's not like you go on a date and go, wow, sparks flew, it was love at first sight. Doesn't usually go that way and it won't for collaboration, but you will, after two or three failed attempts or mediocre attempts, find the right collaborator and you will find a whole new side of yourself that you didn't even know that was there. Um, you complete me in the songwriting context, as it were. So there you go. All right. Do you have another one, or is it my turn? I, uh, I think it's your turn. You did collaborator, but I that I actually also had collaborators. But I can do my next one. Okay, we've got a half an hour. How many more do you have? I got a couple. I got a couple. I got uh, three. Do I have three or two? I have. Uh, I have two. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got probably four more, but mine are Ooh. generally short. They're, they're not long, okay. so jump in. Okay, so um, I was when I was doing this, when Michael asked me to do this, I was thinking about songs, lyrics, melody, chords, the whole, you know. Um, but I also, what's true now, in a way that it wasn't prior to the last 20 years, let's say, is that songs are now have to be demoed. The song is really not finished until it's demoed because you can't pitch it until you have a demo you can pitch. And the demo for television can be very simple and very stripped down, but it still has to be well recorded and have a good authentic vocal on it and, and um, present the emotion and the energy of the song so that it'll work for film and television. And of course, if you're pitching to a music publisher, it's gonna be a much more elaborate demo, uh, which they demand. Um, so what I want to say is one of the things that happens is you get the song done and and in order to finish, literally finish the song in order to pitch it, you have to make that demo and you suddenly realize you can't afford the demo. It's good if you've written a dance song and your collaborator is not a producer, 
you're going to have to find a producer for that. And, and that can be 1500 bucks. I mean, uh, or, or you could go on the taxi forum and find a collaborator that's got production that. chops and can't write their way out of a wet paper bag. We see Good that point. all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You can find producers to work with you. So in other words, when you start your song, and I love doing this right at the beginning, I've got a budget for my song when I start writing it, because I already know what the genre is. So when you start your song, if you know what the genre is, in general, you know what the type of production you're going to have to do, then you can write the song to your resources. So what basically what my what I'm suggesting is that write to your strengths know what your resources are so if you've got instruments you play if lyric writing is your strength if you're rec if you've got a recording ability uh people resources collaborators musicians co-writers um and money money is a resource and it's often in very short supply it usually is so you've got to know that you can afford to finish that song that you're starting and once you know that and if you say well i i want to write a dance pop song i have clients who do this i want to write dance pop and I go, well, do you have a producer? I mean, right. which is a song they're not, they're not expecting that question. Right. Do you have a producer? No. Well, then what are you going to do with a dance pop song? You're never going to finish it unless you have a producer. So, so if you want to sketch something out and go see if you can find a producer on the collaboration corner, or you can find somebody, a track that you can write to that's available to you and exclusive to you, and you can afford it, uh, then you can write dance pop. But don't tell me you want to write dance pop and then come to me when you've got a lyric and melody and say, well, now what do I do? You know, how can I, I need a producer. Can you get me a producer? No, I can't because you can't afford one. Somebody just said that in the, in the chat room five minutes ago. <clears throat> my problem is not being able to demo my tracks. Right. Yes. Yeah, so you've got to uh, be able to write tracks, write songs you can demo. In uh, other words, flip that question. Write yeah. songs you can demo. Don't say, I can't demo my songs. If you can't demo your songs, you didn't look at your resources. Some of this is an age thing. And here's what I mean by that, which is we're both from the boomer generation. Many of our compatriots in the chat room are also boomers. I know that because I know many of them personally. We're from an era, a time when songs, you know, had full drum kit, bass guitar, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, piano, synthesizer pads, vocals, layers upon layers, blah, 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 which is still a thing. But again, I go back to um, True Crime, uh, the Jodie Foster series. I haven't seen episode three yet, but this morning I was speaking with some staff members about it. And one of the staff members said, yeah, the music in that show is great, which I also noticed. I, I watch everything with Shazam in my hand to find out who the artists are that I'm not familiar with, which oftentimes is many of them. And he point, he played a song that was in episode three, which I'll be watching this evening. It was about as simple as could be. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it literally, not everything has to be a standard, and I say that in quotes with much affection, standard arrangement and complement of instruments. It could be that the song is best suited by having an acoustic guitar that sounds like it's got old strings and it's a cheap acoustic guitar. And the vocal has all the top end rolled off so you sound like Billie Eilish in some of her songs. And it's all about your attitude and your approach. You've gone so far to do something so simple, but it's so unexpected that it's cool and it works. So that mm -hmm. goes to Robin's point, which is you don't do what you can't do. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Decide up front what you can do and then do that. Yeah. Right. So I have a whole list, playlist of songs that are minimal production. And I keep that around so that when I need it, if I want to uh, write a song that's really stripped down because that's what I can afford, I go listen to some of the songs on there and I get to, let's say, The National and the song is uh, fireproof and it's just electric guitar and vocal. And yeah. it's so effective. It just moves you to tears. This song is so gorgeous. Or Dodged a Bullet by Greg Laswell. Um, my friends think I dodged the bullet, but I think I shot the gun. I mean, it's a brilliant song and a si just dead simple uh, uh, arrangement underneath it. So you go, oh, okay. So what has to carry that song, now the lyrics have to be really strong. The vocal needs to be a good, strong character vocal that's believable and, and expresses emotion. And then you record it in a way so that that electric guitar fills up the space. So there's challenges there. But if you can play electric guitar and you can sing and you've got a character voice like the National or like Greg Laswell, um, check it out and do it and then write a song like that. So sometimes you're going to write backwards from what you can do in the production. That's what I'm trying to tell people is yeah. don't let yourself get stopped when you get to the production because you didn't think about it when you were starting. It's one reason why I always tell people know your genre when you start because your genre will give you choices when you get to production. Absolutely. Um, oh, when you said, uh, what was it about the gun? Oh, my friends think I dodged a bullet, but I know I shot the gun. Who's That's the, the payoff line. Right. Who, who's the famous actor? Uh, it's got three brothers, and he accidentally shot somebody on the oh, side. Oh, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that could be his new song. That could be Alec Baldwin's next <laughs> single. Sorry, Alec. I've got to dark, say it. Dark sense of humor there. <laughs> I actually used to, as you know, and some of our members know, I went through a period where I did an awful lot of high-level audio post-production in New York, and Alec Baldwin was the voice of, like, L'Oreal or one of the big cosmetic companies. And he would come in twice a year to do available at Burdines, available at this store and that store and it got to the point where the producer from the ad agency could see that Alec and I had a rhythm together and so the producer just wouldn't even come in they, they would say okay you know they'd fax fax over the list of these are the tags you need to do and they need to be three and a half seconds each have at it boys I'm sure it'll be fine so he and I became pretty friendly um, from doing it for a period of three or four years a couple times a year and we would go out to lunch. We would go to a place that was kind of hamburger hamlet equivalent, uh, right by Grand Central Station in New York, which was very close to the studio that we worked at. And uh, I got to say, he was just becoming a megastar at that point. He was on, not Dynasty, but one of those shows like that, I believe. That guy could not make it through a, a cheeseburger without having just total strangers, all, all ladies, of course, walking up, handing him napkins with their phone numbers on. And he was such a gentleman about it, always. And for all the crap that he's taken over the years, I want to come to his defense, having gone to lunch with him many times. He's a very nice man and a classy guy at that. Anyway. Um, all right. So should I move on to my next? Mm, you, yeah. Yeah, go. Um, how are we doing on time? Oh, we got to also give away a book and a consult. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip one. Now I'm going to, I can do two in very short fashion. Okay. Finish. Don't perfect. Perfection is the enemy of completion. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you could be reaching for a state of perfection that's far beyond where it needs to be. Um, Robin mentioned before, bring in somebody with fresh ears and ask them, does this sound done? Um, in this case, you may want to go on the taxi forum and ask your fellow members because your your husband, your wife, your kids, your mom, your dad may not know what done sounds like in the context of music, uh, songwriting, or production. But another taxi member or a group crowdsourcing is it done through the taxi forum. So finish, don't perfect, embrace imperfection. Mm-hmm. Um, artists should embrace flaws and imperfections rather than allowing them to hinder progress. Because if you don't embrace imperfection and that becomes the roadblock to finishing, doesn't matter, it's a moot point, you haven't finished anything. And that's what this episode is all about, is finishing. Um, Stephen Pressfield, the author that I mentioned earlier in the show, sees the pursuit of perfection as a form of resistance. Resistance is a word that he's popularized and talking about anything that keeps you from doing what you're supposed to be doing, which in this case is finishing a song. So uh, I was telling Robin before we went live on the air that, uh, or maybe I mentioned to you guys, I don't remember, uh, yesterday when I was trying to work on my notes for this show today, uh, I noticed that the lemon tree in our backyard was just dripping with lemons. So I went out there for an hour, hour and a half, picked lemons. Um, I didn't need more than three lemons from that tree, but I picked probably a hundred lemons and brought a bag in for the staff today, gave some to my next door neighbor. I did that because I didn't want to sit down and do this work. I was lying to myself. And today I'm being honest with myself because it's in the rear view. Uh, Okay, and the next one, which is a really shorty, learn to say no. Don't take on other projects or find other responsibilities like picking lemons uh, that you can use as an excuse to not start or finish. Um, Oh, I made a note. Tell my lemon picking story, which I just did. So there you go. All right. On to your next one. Oh, okay. Um, Keep your creativity switch turned on. So what happens when you don't write for a few days or weeks um, that if you're waiting until you have two or three hours free and you're not working on anything until you get that two or three hours when you won't be interrupted and you can really get into your writing. If you do that, then when you sit down, you've put a lot of weight on these two or three hours that you're going to have to write. Your creativity switch is totally turned off. The light bulb is dim. The brain is black. Nothing happens. You sit down at your desk and uh, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to get it turned back on again. So you can do that. A lot of ways, that you, there are ways to do that. You can listen to songs. You can you know, sing songs along with them. You can look for rhymes. You, there are things you can do, but it takes time, and you're wasting the time that you could be writing. If you keep your creativity switch turned on, then um, by working a little bit every day rather than waiting until you have this big chunk of time, then you get songs done. Because not only do you work every day, like say for 30 minutes, I'm really big on 30 minute songwriter things. You sit down for 30 minutes, that's not very long. If you work for 30 minutes each day, you're gonna have stuff done by the end of the week. Yeah. So, and when you come back each day to work on, let's say the thing you started yesterday, um, you're, you're right there, ready to go. Your creativity switches on because you were working the day before. And then you sit down and you say, oh, I've only got 30 minutes, I gotta get going. And you work on it for 30 minutes, record it, stop at the end of 30 minutes, make yourself stop because you're going to want to keep writing and stop for the day, come back the following day and work 30 minutes. You can find 30 minutes in a day somewhere 
you know, watch less of a TV show at night. Watch only half of it and spend the other half writing songs. Um, start dinner a half an hour later. Get up in the morning a half an hour early. Absolutely. Just work I love 30 that one. Minutes. Yeah. Then, I just saw a study that, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I saw yeah, a study ahead. about a week ago. Something like 85% of the world's wealthiest people that earned it on their own didn't inherit the wealth all get up between 5 and 5.30 a.m. to start their days. So there's yep. that habit thing. Yep. Anyway, sorry yep. and to it's break quiet. the rhythm. It's yeah. quiet then. A lot of novelists, a lot of writers get up early because it's quiet and you know the rest of the world is still sleeping, at least in your time zone. And uh, same thing for late at night. If you're a night person, you can do that late at night. And just get that 30 minutes in and know that 30 minutes, you're going to have to stop after 30 minutes. Really set a timer. Make yourself stop. Because when you stop, you go, but yeah, but I want to keep working. And so the next day I can, I can keep working instead of I have to work. I can keep working. Pick up where you left off, work for 30 minutes, record it, stop and walk away. And again, here's the fresh ears test. When you come back the next day to work 30 minutes, you listen to your recording right at the beginning. You go, mm, I like that and that, but I don't like that. I got to fix that. And that other thing, make a little list, fix one of those things, maybe two if you've got time in 30 minutes and they're small things, record it, walk away, come back the next day. If you do that by the end of the week, you're going to have something that's in pretty good shape. It's going to be probably around draft two. And you can continue to do those 30-minute sessions right into the next week. Just don't let yourself work longer. Be, be serious with yourself. You know, get, get serious. Get a timer there and just work 30 minutes. It's a great way to keep that creativity switch turned on. So the minute you sit down, talking about habits, the minute you sit down, you feel creative. Instead of sitting down and saying, oh, I have to work, I have to start a song, and I don't have a single idea in my head. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. My next one is celebrate milestones. If you want to finish songs, celebrate milestones, because celebrating small achievements along the way will help to keep you motivated. I can't tell you how many times over the 32 years that I've run Taxi that members have said to me, I got a forward, and that motivated me so much. I got a, a call from a production music library, music supervisor, went through the roof with motivation. Once you see that something is working, and that it could be the littlest thing, like I finished a song or a track, remember, start small, cross the street, don't climb the mountain. So I finished a song or a track. That's pretty motivating, because if you can finish one, you can finish two, you can finish a hundred. Um, I submitted a song or a track, I know that's scary. You know, people, some people will, believe it or not, join Taxi and don't make a single submission for an entire year. And it can't be because there's not a listing that they could submit to. They're afraid, and I understand that. But, you know, it's one thing to have it on your hard drive. It's another thing to have somebody else here because your feelings might get hurt if they don't like it. It's just an extension of you. It is not the inner you. It's not your soul. It's just a little product that you made that was created from your creative soul, but you will make more more products. You will make better ones the more often you do it. Um, another milestone could be I finish one song or track per week for X number of weeks in a row. Builds the habit and it's a bigger accomplishment than finishing just one. I got my first forward from Taxi. There is nothing that gets people more motivated than that. Unfortunately, sometimes people latch on to that. They sit, they pull out their phone out of their pocket like a hundred times a day to check it, see if anybody has texted or emailed them. Um, hold on. 
Yeah. I can't grab it from there. <laughs> Forgot I've got a green screen behind me. Write, submit, forget, and repeat. Um, those are the, I didn't come up with that. A couple of our members did many, many years ago. Um, I got my first offer from a company. Boy, if you want something to motivate you, celebrate that milestone. And then the ultimate, I think, in the world of film and TV music is I got my first placement. Because if you can get one, you will probably get others. But you need to repeat the things that you did to get that first one um, to up your chances a little bit. All right, we've got nine minutes. I've got to give away a book and a consult with you. You got one more? And I'll do one more after that. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, practice, practice songwriting. Uh, we don't think that we can practice songwriting. Uh, songwriting doesn't feel like learning to play guitar or learning to play hmm. piano. But you can practice songwriting. You can practice the skills that go into songwriting. So practice writing from a title. Let's say, make a, make a list of titles. You can get titles off of television. You can get titles off of the, you know, any, any written, any spoken. Just listen for titles. Listening for titles is practicing songwriting. Yeah. And once you get some song, one of those, you pull one out, say, I want to work on that one. Practice developing a song title into a sketch. Practice that. So a lot of the things we're talking about today, you can practice doing. Another thing I want people to realize is that when you're listening to songs in the style that you want to be writing in, that actually counts as songwriting. Listening, in my opinion, is as important as writing. And too often people say, well, I don't like anything that's on the radio. <laughs> well, when was the last time you actually listened to radio? I mean, I don't listen to radio at all. Uh, do you have Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Prime Music or whatever? Do you have one of those? Well, no. Well, where do you listen to music? <laughs> well, I don't listen to music. You've got to be listening. And then when you hear something you like, pick it apart, reverse engineer it, and then try to practice what that song is doing that you like. That this is not magic. It doesn't magically happen. It happens. The inspiration is, it seems kind of magical and it, yeah, nobody's ever figured out what inspiration is. You got to bring that to the table, right? I can't teach you that. Michael can't give you that. Taxi can't give you that. You bring the inspiration and the emotion, but everything else is practicable. It's all, it's not magic. It's not rocket science. It's doable. And so just do it frequently. Pick out things that you, small goals. I love what Michael was just saying about congratulating yourself. Be good to yourself. Give yourself small goals that you can make instead of, I didn't get a placement. This, I, you know, I didn't get a, yeah. everybody else is getting placements and I'm not. That's just being hard on yourself. Don't do, you deserve better than that. You really do. You work hard at this and you're talented and you're good and you're here of all things. You're here at Taxi TV. You made the effort to come for an hour and a half and sit here and listen to, to get ideas to help you be better. Congratulate yourself for that. Be good to yourself and you'll feel better about your songwriting. I think that's great advice. And you can combine two things and not feel guilty. And those two things are watch television, not sitcoms, but watch shows like the one I happen to be watching now, which is True Crime with Jodie Foster. The writers are the best writers in the business. And you will hear things that will inspire song lyrics in you. 
Um, could you take five words and turn that into the, the genesis uh, or the seed of a, a song without copyright infringement? I think so. Um, mm -hmm. So if you were to come over to my house tonight, go into the family room and open the drawer that's in the coffee table, you will find about 20 or 30 post-it notes in there that have a line written on them. I hear something good in a show. I know I'm not going to remember it by the time I get up to go get more ice cream or something. So I'll just write it down and, and shove it in that drawer in a post-it note. And someday, should I ever decide to endeavor to be a songwriter, I'm going to pull those things out. I've done that when my kids were young enough that I had to go somewhere and wait for them outside of a pizza place because they were there for somebody's birthday party. I would sit in the car with my phone in my hand with a voice recorder and be listening to talk radio. And every now and then somebody would say something brilliant yeah. on talk radio. Talk and I go, that is a great idea for the hook of a song, not just a, you know, a verse lyric, but the hook. And yeah, Day daytime drama, uh, soap operas. They're so emotional. Everyone is so over the top emotionally that you can just sit there and write stuff down, you know? Uh, break up with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't care anymore. I don't, you know, lines like that, yes, you, absolutely you can use them as the title of a song. I mean, they're generic. These are dialogue lines. They're just people, things right. that the, the characters say. So you can do that. I keep a hook book, literally, that is just lists of titles and first lines that you can get them off commercials you can get them off of, um, I wouldn't use the actual logo from the commercial that's identified with the brand, but certainly uh, people in commercials talk and it, it works, you can grab stuff. But basically TV shows, and like you say, not sitcoms, but uh, dramas and um, talk shows are great. Uh, even news cable news is pretty good, but definitely afternoon talk shows. Definitely, because everybody gets really worked up on those. <laughs> yes, well, that's what do. you want is emotion. Yeah. And then you can get this whole list of hooks uh, going. All right. One final thought here, which is, uh, as I mentioned early in the show, Seth Godin, who's an author that I've been reading uh, his marketing books for years, and he calls finishing something and getting it out the door, shipping it, which is a commonly used term in factories that make stuff or software manufacturers. I know instrument companies uh, you know, that are working on a big project. We need to ship this thing, they set a deadline. So after completing one project, immediately start the next one to keep the momentum going. Don't rest in your laurels or ba <coughs> excuse me, bask in the glory of finishing that first song. Go, wow, I finally finished one. Yeah, you finished one, it feels good. Use that energy as momentum to do another one tomorrow. Literally tonight, if you could, but do it tomorrow. You know, if you finish one tonight, do another one tomorrow. And maybe it won't be great. Just finish it because you're building that habit. All right. I think this was kind of fun. I love when you and I do stuff together because we. Yeah, yeah this we, is great. A lot of we, fun. I hope you guys in the chat enjoyed it. So let's give away a book. And Robin, you're going to, I know I'm going to get a phone call from Robin after the show about this, but yesterday while I was working on this, I was looking for a book. I actually drove over to the office to find a book and I was looking at my bookshelf of music related stuff. And I saw two example books that I, years ago, you and I spoke about you doing a workbook, just almost like a songwriter's notebook thing with lined pages and just like a tip at the bottom of every page. And you're like, I don't know, I don't know. We never got around to it. Um, when I saw those two books and pulled them out, I thought, you could do so a much better job than those other two. These were the two top selling books. 
And as you're talking and you said a hookbook, there's so many things we talked about in this show today that would be great in a book like that that's mostly blank lined pages with a little suggestion at the top or the bottom or a question or something motivational, whatever it is. But there are about four things in today's episode that you and I should go back and, and listen to this episode and just revisit that idea again, because I know you inspire a lot of the people that are out there. You have a lot of trust with them because of these books, <laughs> which is the see-through, <laughs> the famous see-through books, yes. And here's the most see-through of them all, and Aww. somebody's going to win one. Anyway, let's talk about that when we get a chance. Yeah. Um, and then let's finish one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I've always been very, very proud to be Robin's publisher because uh, I, I never sell anything that I'm not proud of or that I don't personally believe in or wouldn't back up. And I've always said anybody that buys a copy of Robin's book and doesn't think it was worth every penny they spent, send it back to me in resellable condition and I will refund your money. I'm the publisher on those two books. And only once has somebody asked for a refund. The guy, I could tell, by the way, every page was like bent. Like he laid it flat on a Xerox machine, <laughs> Xerox the entire thing, and then asked for a refund. What? That's a lot of work. That's yeah. a lot of work. Right. He spent more in paper than he probably would have on the book. Anyway. Probably did it at work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> somebody else's time. All right. So first thing we're going to do is I'm going to have Liz, you guys type in the letter B, but not until I say go. And you only type it in once, not a hundred times. The letter B for book. And Liz, who's sitting about 75 feet away from me in another office, is going to go like this on the list and go boink. And whoever she picks is going to get the book. One, two, three, go. There come the bees. Yay, Liz. <laughs> and you get to pick which book. So just in case you have one or the other, you get the other one. It's funny watching how many people are typing capital B's versus small B's. And I didn't specify, you know, all caps are all smalls. <laughs> wow, super blonde in the room. Haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you back. Wow, a lot of people showed up today. Cool. All right. Uh, ooh, I almost clicked the end stream button. That would have been a disaster. I think we're getting near the end of all letter B's. Okay. There's one more. All right. Shut your eyes and do that, Liz. <laughs> the fickle, flying fickle finger of fate, finger which I think. Fate. Yeah, was yeah. that Johnny Carson <laughs> used to say that? No, it wasn't it. Uh, wasn't it? Oh, um, laugh um, in. Laugh in, yeah. 
We were so yeah. lucky to be alive for that. That show, when I got, you know, they have the reruns of it or the, you know, buy the DVD series now. And I watch that show. I could sit there and watch that infomercial for the full half hour and laugh at everything. It was so completely stupid, but just good, clean comedy. Really cute. Alan was- Hall is the big winner. Congratulations, Alan. <laughs> All right, Alan, so your job, sir, is to email Liz, L-I-Z, at taxi.com and tell Liz if you would like shortcuts to songwriting for film and TV or the one that started it all, shortcuts to hit songwriting. Uh, And we will send that out. You'll have it in your hands in less than a week, I believe. And We're doing a consultation giveaway also yeah we are so now um for the consultation let's go with the letter c and one two three go type in the letter c to see who wins that consult and while everybody's typing i see betty anderson in the chat room betty i don't Mm. know I, I sent Robin a photo the other day, and so I, I wasn't able to access the taxi database from home for some reason. I think my IP address had changed or something. Anyway, so I, I had my wife, I sent the photo to her because I know that she's got your email. So I asked Deb to send you the shot of you and Robin that was taken on stage at the end of the at the end of Robin's um, session at the road rally. It was such a great shot of the two of you. So you cute! Just, it really so was. Cute. I, I I went through probably twenty five hundred photos to pick the stuff for the newsletter, and I saw that one. It just put the biggest smile on my face, and I dragged Me it too. to my desktop and said, "All right, I'm sending this one out." I loved it. Yeah. little freeze in the chat room there we go oh betty got it thanks i loved it too awesome good c for console yep you figured that one out huh katrina (laughs) i'm pretty sly huh (laughs) which the super bond says but the c which octave oh cute All right, and this one is open to people from all over the globe because you will be doing it on Zoom, so it doesn't matter if you live in another country other than don't make Robin do it at 4 a.m. We always work it out. (laughs) (laughs) I do consults in New Zealand, Australia, and then I'll be doing Paris, and I'll be doing Finland, and it's all in the same day. It's amazing. Zoom just never ceases to amaze me what we can do now. Yeah, and it works almost all the time. It is a pretty (laughs) reliable platform, i got to say. Yeah. All right, I think we are ready. Uh, Okay, Liz, go ahead, do your thing. (laughs) Laura Principato, yay, congratulations, Laura. All right, I will have Liz connect you with Robin so you guys can work out the details. I don't wanna give out Robin's email address um, in the chat room because lots of people Oops. Lots of people will be seeing this after the fact. And who yeah. knows who might abuse that email address? Well, Robin, this was so much fun. Uh, thank you 
for for doing it pretty last minute with me and uh, being oh total fun. I always yeah. enjoy these. Yeah, I wish I could see the the chat room, but I can't. But um, it's wonderful to have everybody here. I'm so glad uh, you could all make it. And um, it's just anytime. Just let me know. It's uh, you know me. I want to talk about songwriting. I'm a total geek for songwriting. So anytime. Uh, I will hit you up anytime. As I just said to Robin, um, I may need to be out of the country for a few weeks in a time zone that makes it very hard to do uh, taxi TV. And I would have to do it like four in the morning or two in the morning, something like that. Um, so I asked Robin if she and I could do a couple of Zoom things together and I leave them with the staff to run those on Mondays. So you guys will be seeing more of this uh, brilliant woman um, in the coming weeks, I'm pretty sure. And until then, I bid you all a fond farewell. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Robin, thank you. And see you next week, guys. Keith LeBrant. Nice playing.